just take the couch out of the lounge room. You can have a room oh, for snacks hardcore, and man. drinks. Just don't oh give them a place God. to. That's so rude. Costia, so you could work for Fide one day. These two players deserve our respect. Anyone trying to tell them what to do is just a stooge. Yeah, and I don't know if they deserve my respect, but they definitely deserve a couch. Alrighty, hello everyone. This is Dojo Talks. Today we are discussing the first part of the ongoing FIDE World Championship match between Ding Loren and Jan Nepomneshi. At the time of today's recording, we have just gotten through game four. Spoiler alert, Ding won. Ding won the game. So great job, Ding. Uh, equaling the score, it's now 2-2. First, let me just give everyone a really quick recap of all the action so far. Um, like I said, we've had four games. Uh, game one was a draw. Ding looked very shaky. He was in his like resting room a lot. Um, didn't feel comfortable uh, or didn't seem comfortable during the game or like the press conference. Game two, Ding loses with white uh, in very, I don't know, embarrassing fashion. He plays like this H3 move, it doesn't work out. Everyone's like, what's going on? Again, gives this like really depressing interview. Um, yeah, seemed very, very difficult for him. Game three, they draw. Ding starts looking better. Uh, definitely a lot more solid. Was at the board more. Had a more confident press conference. Said his friends came out and uh, cheered him up. And here we have game four. Uh, Ding wins with white and now has um, equalized the, the score. So... Here we are, huh? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David, your initial thoughts on the match. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of taken over the the narrative for the match, right? Um, just in hearing your recap, I noticed that uh, you may or may not have even said Nepo's name in the, in that <laughs> in that brief recap, and not to say that your recap was inaccurate in any way, right? But I think it's um I think it's revealing that. Even when, you know, Nepo was winning a game, it was like, what's wrong with Ding, right? Like, like he started off on some weird, shaky footing. And, okay, at first, my Twitter feed had nothing about the World Championship match. I was like, why is everybody talking about, you know, their socks or some end game position? Like, I can't even find out who won the game today on Twitter. Um, but, but now as some stuff trickles in, it's all pictures of Ding. And uh, I haven't seen a picture of, of Nepo, just just pictures of Ding, you know, either in his resting room or, you know, at a press conference or with rapport or whatever. So he's really, in a way, seized the narrative of the match first by by tanking and then by surging. And right now I'm kind of under I mean, everybody suffers from recency biases pretty much. Right. Right now I'm under the effect of these pictures of him and rapport smiling together they look so cute it's completely heartwarming and heart capturing it gets you really um gets you really on their side kind of and i feel like uh there's some kind of emotional initiative that's in their favor now where it feels like ding is happy at the chessboard for the first time and even maybe happy when he's preparing and everything so that's that's definitely something that the Nepo's gonna have to fight against. That's my 
my first thoughts. Yeah, looking looking at those photos with rapper, they're like all happy. I can like hear Bruce Springsteen playing. It's like <laughs> <laughs> these guys having having so much fun. Um, Jesse, what about you? Um, I would say that this first of all is very for an exhibition match. It's a great match so far, and it shows already in the first four games. You can see why these guys aren't at Magnus's level, and the. I think this story for me is pretty clear on on Ding's side, clearly one of the most talented players, maybe ever, definitely of this generation. But he's suffering from psycho, definite psychological frailty and perhaps physical frailty. You know, we talked about the bike accident. There's huge question marks for me around that. And definitely in the first couple press conferences, you see, like, actually, it's very interesting as a chess fan for him to be so open about his frailty, about his confused mental state, having to change uh, hotels, you know, feeling terrible, needing to seek out like guidance from people. And I think normally people would keep that hidden, especially from the people they're competing against. Uh, so it, I don't know whether it was wise for him to open up like that, but definitely as a chess fan, it was like, oh, okay <laughs> this is definitely a storyline here and like my initial thoughts of like what was going on with the bike accident and all this other stuff i'm like all right i'm seeing like i get to see the full depth of the problems this dude is going through and maybe it definitely seems like rounds three and four dude has found uh his footing at least in some regard and then on nepo's case let's talk let's talk about the match with carlson why did carlson wipe this dude because he would make impulsive decisions, right? So if Nepo's playing somebody beneath him, he'll be able to establish the uh, tempo of the game, can play intuitively, obviously calculates. Well, you saw that in, in round one, right? Or excuse me, round two, when he won with the black pieces. But if he's playing somebody who's putting consistent pressure on him, then the clock starts ticking. We're getting like hour two, hour three. What he'll do is he will make impulsive decisions, okay? And there's a very interesting word that my coach KGB taught me. And it's, you reach a point where you kind of, you're exhausted. Your system too is kind of, you know, depleted and you play an intuitive move and you're just like, screw it. That's gotta be right. No boss, it might not be right. <laughs> and so the critical mistake in today's game, night D4, he played that in under a minute, right? And it was a very anti-intuitive move, honestly, because the pawn, why wouldn't you just defend your F4 pawn? Okay, so as an example. So whether it was right or wrong, it was definitely a decision that required more time. So I think what I'm trying to say is for me, there's two different obvious flaws in both players. We have psychological frailty on one side that maybe he's gonna find his footing. And then with Ding, we see impulsive moves, especially in like the you know we start getting into the middle game with some real pressure and i really think that's about system two where the dude isn't physically strong enough to keep the intensity up i think a lot of players suffer from this and what's interesting seeing it in nepo is we're at a higher level of course where these kinds of mistakes the intuitive moves are going to be punished much more aggressively yeah well yeah it's really interesting now like david was saying because like at first after two days i was legitimately just like worried for ding he's like not playing well 
and he doesn't seem well mentally, like, which is so important. I mean, chess is a very mental game in like multiple ways. Like obviously you're using your brain, but you also have to be like avoiding distractions. Most chess players can't play if there's stuff going on like in their personal life or just stuff that's really bothering them. It's very difficult to stay focused. So yeah, I really thought like we might just see an absolute blowout where Nepo, he looks really solid. He looks like he's in some of the best form of his life. Ding doesn't look great. Nepo has a plus score against Ding already. Like this could just be, oh my God, a complete, complete blowout. Um, but yeah, thankfully Ding has some really good friends that like talk some sense into him. Like, I don't know what exactly happened. I would love to know because he literally went from like Tuesday giving an interview about how apparently like he went through a breakup in 2019 or 20, like during the pandemic and like that affected him a lot, like all this stuff to now he's like bouncing back. He's like winning games again against, uh, against Nepo. Um, huge. I don't know what his friends said. I imagine Ding's kind of like a shy guy. His friends might be more extroverted. I can, can only imagine if I was playing a world championship match and in a similar situation, my non-chess friends would show up and just be like, hey, jerk, you, what are you doing? Like, like go in a chess game, nerd. Like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, it would be no, like, it would be some tough love and probably much more colorful language. But I feel like that's kind of what happened. They just like knocked some sense into him. Like, hey, do you play a board game for a living? Like, go like show people like <laughs> what it's all about. And uh, well, now I'm very happy that it's like an interesting match. And uh, it's very, very, I mean, not that it wasn't interesting, but just that it's going to be, seems like it's going to be back and forth, tons of blows. And now the bigger question is, how will Nepo deal? Because he might have just been super confident after two days. Now he gets this huge blow. He didn't play uh, well today, right? He like, yeah, made this like quick decision, like loses. And uh, that's going to be the big question for him. Like if he wants to become a world champion is like whether he can bounce back because Magnus, he lost games. He lost the game to Vichy. He lost that game to Karyakin in the world championship match. Mm. And he was able to come back from those. So that's like, that's very, very important. I feel if, uh, if Nepo actually wants to become the new champion. Yeah. One thing also I felt was insightful was before this round, yeah. or actually I think it was even before this whole thing began, Duboff said this very interesting thing that resonated with me where he's like, listen, <laughs> Nepo at his B game will beat Ding when Ding is playing his B game. And you can see when B when when Nepo's when when Ding has his psychological frailty, it's all over, man. <laughs> Nepo's just gonna roll him with his B game. But when Ding plays good chess, like he did today, and I also felt game three was a great game by Ding. When Ding is playing good chess, I mean, he's just another level. You know, so if he can maintain that, because honestly, this thing about Nepo making impulsive decisions, I don't think that just goes away. I, I really don't think someone's just, in the same way, maybe you maybe you can talk to a dude about his psychological frailty. You It's pretty hard to talk to a dude about their impulsive decisions because what you're ultimately talking about is their system two thinking being depleted. And then it's not like you can just suddenly say, hey, bro, maybe you need to up your system too. No, it's gone. It's all gone <laughs> in you know, an hour three of the match. So... Um, that's why I thought it was really insightful to say Ding at his A game beats Nepo at his A game. And that's what we're seeing the last two games. Yeah. So I, I will just, 
let me let me I'll, just say originally we had this topic as like will ding collapse but yeah it's like more fair to say like who will collapse probably <laughs> at this point <laughs> uh but, but go on david i just wanted to admit that uh, I was definitely in the camp that thought after two games, like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a bloodbath. By the time we do Dojo Talks at the end of the week, it's yeah. like people are just going to want to not watch out of respect for Ding. You know, it's like, it's like, you just, you're like, I'm, I love you and I can't watch this happening to you, you know? And uh, completely, completely wrong, obviously. Yeah. Um, Okay, so great. Yeah, I think they're they got a rest day tomorrow. Um, they're getting a rest day every two games, unfortunately. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's drags it out. Yeah, really, just like okay, two games and then a break. Two games and then a break. Yeah, um, it's cushy at the top, Kostya. It's cushy. <laughs> Very but much. But you so. know, I gotta say, like for tournaments that I played in the one round a day with some with some breaks in there, it's enervating. It's enervating because that whole day you're resting, you're still thinking about the match. You're not really resting. You know, you know, it still goes on. You got all kinds of people shouting at you about their opening recommendations, saying, "Hey, thing, why are you so frail?" You got your bros back home in in Russia being like, "What's going on with the impulsive decisions, boss?" And so all this stuff it doesn't allow you to actually rest. You know. So anyway, yeah, that's why I think there should be fewer rest days because anyways, they're just going to be doing chess that day, and it's like it's. Not going to be very much different from them showing up to the board and playing, playing the game. Um, but I, actually, okay, that kind of leads us into the next topic, which has been a big thing on chess Twitter. Because um, this was not a thing in previous matches. I feel like this is the first time I'm hearing about this controversy regarding the player's uh, lounging room or the resting area. But oh, basically, no, okay, no, to no, catch no. everyone up. Yeah. The, the players have um, their own private lounge area where they're able to uh, go when they're, it's not on uh, their turn. They're allowed to be in there. Uh, there's like snacks and drinks and, and whatever they can. Um, you, often there's like a screen that like here at the St. Louis Chess Club, there's like a little lounge area and they have like a, a screen with like the DGT game so you can see the, the live positions. Um, and normally these are private. There's no cameras in there. This year, for whatever reason, the players agreed to allow a camera in their lounging room, and now fans can like see them when they're in there. And as a result, not as a result, but one thing that's been happening is that like Ding in particular, the first couple of days was spending tons and tons of time there. He's just like making a move and then immediately <laughs> leaving and then just waiting there until Nepo plays and then coming back. Um, so a big question about like, number one, how much lounging should be allowed? Like, obviously, the fans want to see the players um, at the board. But, of course, the players also need their uh, their private time. We can't expect them to just be, like, on camera for, like, six hours and not get a moment uh, to themselves. Um, but, yeah, I just found it funny that this became, like, a whole thing. But apparently, we've got to talk about it because not everyone agrees on <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's, uh, what's best here. So what do you guys think? Camera, no camera, and then... How much should they be allowed to be away from the board? I'll let Jesse answer first, but first I just want to say that they should call it the Denilov cam on the broadcast and everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jesse, Toilet your cam. thoughts on the Denilov cam? Okay, so where this a lot of this goes back to is the toilet gate of the Topolov Pramnik match where 
Pramnik was accused of, you know, getting getting secret signals by the computer or something through the toilet or whatever. And so, and, you know, rightfully there's suspicions of like somebody getting uh, information somehow. Um, in general, though, I don't think it's that, e I think it's just as hard to cheat. You're going to have to be allowed to use the restroom. You have to be allowed to walk around. And my main thing with this actually was just to observe that Ding, by going away, I don't care if he goes away, that's his choice. But by going away from the board, he is showing that he was just psychologically not up to the task the first two rounds. I watched it today. Dude was much more present at the board. He's not hanging out forever right. in, in the room. And, I, and I'll say, it's not terrible to, if, especially if there's some screen, like Kosi is saying, there's one at the St. Louis Chess Club. It's totally fine when it's your, not your move to go hang out in the chair and just watch your game on a screen. It's kind of refreshing to see it from a new perspective. You know, so as a chess player, there's nothing really wrong with it. But it was, it was cycle. It was, it, it's just, it was clearly a sign of some kind of distress from being in the first two rounds. The dude was always gone as if he couldn't face Nepo at the board, right? He wasn't really ready for the circumstance. And I think he's changed. I think it's a good sign for Ding that he's not hanging out in the resting room so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, my take is, you know, just the fact that everybody's discussing it almost to me confirms my opinion that it's fine to have the resting rooms and use it as you like, right? Like basically it's giving us more insight into the player state, right? Jesse can, can read into where Ding's at, you know? And I think that, um, you know, to see how different people approach it and what they use, you know, how much they need to rest or how much they need to be at the board or when are they staring at the ceiling? All of that is the, the is spice and interest. So I don't mind seeing an empty board. That's part of that's part of the story of the match. Um, and that we that we can watch them in their rooms is is cool. I mean, for for spectators, I, I think it's really interesting and, and it's great. I've got no problems with it at all. Um. I saw a comment in chat about maybe they shouldn't have the 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 screen because normally if you were playing in a tournament you could walk around but you wouldn't be able to carry the position with you while you're not at the board mm. um which i think is like reasonable but i think probably not a really big deal because at this level i don't i don't think these players you know particularly need or use the screen so i don't i don't think it matters one way or another really is my take on the um the dgt feed to their rest areas yeah yeah, yeah the screen is yeah. not important with or without it they they can just think about the position it's very simple for them and it's also that it's just standard practice now that all the top tournaments have some kind of situations very similar to this even at a big open tournament you can go and you'll see your game you know flashed up at some screen when you're walking around so it's very common I'm, yeah i don't see a problem with it yeah, so my thinking is that this is probably going to become a non-issue now that Ding is like more confident. He's at the board more often. That was kind of the big complaint is that Ding or you know any player that's not feeling up for it can just like leave the stage whenever it's not their move. And I don't know. I feel like to me that definitely hurts the experience for for the fans. Like you want the players at least in the same room at, at each other like you don't got to stay at the board when it's not your turn but at least be like walking around like there so we can like kind of like see you uh, yeah i don't know i think it is a bad picture to see one player like 
just in the resting room like all the time and then they just come out and like make their move you know it it just makes it feel like a lot less of an actual struggle an actual competition they're just like you know like if they were both doing that that would that would just i think look um look terrible um so but yeah i feel like it's kind of going to resolve itself because i think both players just naturally probably want to be at the board now um and so it's not going to be a huge deal but yeah, in general, I'd say you got to limit it, you know, I mean, they're, they're getting a million dollars each. So yeah, but they're playing know. for the highest title in chess, you just let them do it their way. And then you just be glad that you got to be there to watch whatever they showed. Yeah, nah, I don't think fans are just glad to watch. I think fans are pretty, pretty entitled. Uh, and in a good thing, in a good way, like they're entitled. No, not in a good way. Want a good experience. No, no, no. I think fans are absolutely allowed to be. We can't force force people to watch something that's like not interesting, right? So that's if fine. It's Don't want not interesting to them. That well, then great. Then it's like, it made it, it more good. interesting. It made it more interesting that they didn't go to the board. Give me a break. Come on. Yeah. If anything, it's more interesting. But if it's not interesting to someone, they can they can go watch something else. Um, that's well, okay with me. That's fine. Yeah, well, that's fine with you. Um, I'm definitely hoping the world championship draws more attention rather than less. So for me, it's like, uh, it's not okay. You know, I think mm -hmm. the fans want to see the players. So, it'll right, draw Kosu, the attention. Wait, what, what it'll draw. Saying? Let's just hear. Let's just see hear the world according to Kosu. So so what? They get like a five minute potty break. What do they get, boss? What 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 is the, what does the man say? I don't know. You can you can go to the bathroom. Uh, not trying to cancel bathrooms here. <laughs> well, but I'm trying to say you want to limit it. I just want to hear what your dictate would be if you were in charge. Just take the couch out of the lounge room. You can have a room oh, for snacks hardcore, and man. drinks. Just don't oh give them a place God. to. That's so rude. Plus, <laughs> so you could rude. work for Fide one day. <laughs> These two players deserve our respect. Anyone trying to tell them what to do is just a stooge. Yeah, and I don't know if they deserve my respect, but they definitely deserve a couch. Come on, these are two of the greatest chess players of all time. Guys, they have <laughs> a chair the on the stage. Butt. <laughs> they literally spent the whole first day choosing their perfect chair, right? They took them to Sears and they're like, here, you guys can pick out any chair you want for the world championship. I don't think it's too much. Look, you guys are ridiculous. They already forced these guys to go to the press conference. That's the thing that I have issues with. <laughs> Oh no! I'm ridiculous. Got to do the press conference. Got to do the press conference. What about the respect for the players? You gotta, you gotta force them to sit there and talk about how they blundered. So Nepo, no. you blundered today. Let, well, how's that? No, I, I wasn't in favor of that though, Kostya. <laughs> I'm in favor of they're the best players in the world. What they're supposed to do is play chess in whatever way works for them within reason, where the two of them can agree, right? So like within reason, two, that's what we're talking about. Within a match. Reason have to agree on something. It has to be something that they can agree on. It doesn't have to be something that Fide can agree on or that Kosia can agree on. I think it, it wouldn't, well, I mean, that's fine, but they could agree to play from home on their computers. Sure. That's what Magnus would want. He's already saying he'd rather play on, on, from his computer. That's what you want. You want a world championship played from computers? It's that's not what about what want. I want. It's about what the two best players in the world want, and then I will watch it. Well, Coach that's would want them fine. <laughs> that's what Coach would want. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think this is like a sport. And again, these guys are getting paid millions to uh, to play chess. 
So they're not if, each getting paid millions. They're one point two and for the winner and eight hundred for the losers. It's euros too, so it's a little bit more than millions. There's all kinds of things I would want from them, of course, but most of all, I respect what they want more than what I want. So I, I, you know, would keep it to myself. Obviously, I, I want the world championship final to be four players instead of two, to be a mix of, you know, tournament and match. I want it to be way, way more games. I want it to be Fisher random. There's all kinds of things I want, but I wouldn't like, you know, me as like some random idiot, go tell the, the greatest players in the world what they should do. All right, but... You can't just leave it. This is crazy. You can't just leave it up to the players. What if they don't agree? Then what? Well, that's I said. It has to be something that they can agree on. The rules have to be something they agree on. All right. Well, let's say Nepo says no resting room. Ding says resting room. Now what? You need a you need an organization. You need someone to sit the players down and tell them to play. Like you can't just like, oh yeah, you guys go. Yeah, do I guess then you, you tell want. them. Well, I guess you guys no world championship. We'll keep the two million dollars. <laughs> well, that doesn't seem like a win for anybody. Well, I think I think they would see that too, and they would probably come with come up with a compromise on the resting rooms. Yeah, well, that's what happens. I mean, they they agreed like they'd be allowed to like be filmed and whatever, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's crazy. Like ask them to like stay on the on the stage a little bit longer i mean the thing is like it's never been an issue I've, they've had these lounge rooms before with all the world championships just like mm -hmm. no player thought to take advantage and just just hang yeah. out there yeah and honestly i mean no player has ever played that badly in the first two games before you know so <laughs> here it is i mean not since you know 1900 so there it is you know and i guess it's behind him but yeah i mean i think i think to the smallest extent, should the organizers provide dictates and requirements and say, hey, we're paying you so, you know, we can demand stuff of you like the organizers can be there to, you know, resolve problems between the two teams and help mediate if necessary. But I don't think that Ding has somebody like Denilov as his manager. I don't think that's even really going to come up. So, like, I leave it to the discretion of, you know, Nepo and Ding to to handle the situation how they want. All right, all right, David. You got your weird views, boss. We get it. We get it, boss. Obviously. I thought you were on David's should... side. No, yeah. but it's obviously there's organizers, there's tradition. Give me He's a making break. my head spin, Kostya. There's, there's organizers and there's tradition, and, you know, you can't say that much, boss. You, can, you, can you say never know when Jesse's going to smack you in the back. Well, yeah, I'm going to stab you here, son. And then, look, I think correctly... When Carlson was like, let's turn the world championship match into a bullet match or whatever it is he wanted, they were like, no, Bows, that's not the way we go. Right? right. No, we don't. Okay, so let's move on. We're going to talk about openings and who's going to win this thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Surprising amount of contention on that one. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's talk about Ding's 4H3 uh, in, in game two. Um, I can't believe, Kostya, you had to make peace between Jesse and I when we were agreeing against you. I just, I, I can't recover from this blow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so let me, I'll bring it up here. So th this is a kind of interesting one because a, a lot of fans were, were divided um, over whether this was like a good opening or a bad opening. Um, I mean, I think just degrees of bad. 
seems like I don't think it, anyone thought it was good. It was well, definitely strange. Okay, so by the way, what we're talking about is four H three. Yeah. In what is it? Two. And uh, now let me just say I'll just normally Ding has played hundreds, maybe thousands of games with G three. I move from Catalan. There were two people who reinvigorated the Catalan. One was named Kramnik, and one was named Ding. And so, if you play H three, it suggests that you are uncomfortable with your normal business, and it's like now you're just saying, "I'm going to play like a tempo down." Really, I'm going to play a tempo down. Now, did it backfire? Yes, but there wasn't actually the cause of his defeat. Was it a reflection, maybe, of some psychological frailty? That's what it looks like, especially in hindsight, right? This H three move. Um, but to blame it on the blame the move itself on the defeat in the in the in the game, it can't be. You're just giving up a tempo. You're playing black now, right? Sure, it doesn't lose the game. But I mean, I I would say clearly it's a bad move. It's not, a weird not, move, right? I mean, it, you, it's you, not even clear what the point would be. <laughs> now, some people have talked about a better queen's gambit accepted if DC, but black doesn't black could do anything here. Almost basically any move, and black is going to be fine. Yeah, so I mean, obviously weird. white has white has latitude. You can play a three or h three for no reason in most positions in the first five moves for white, and you won't lose the game because of it, right? But it, but it's but it's a bad move. I mean, it doesn't develop. It doesn't control the center. It doesn't have any idea to it. It slightly commits and weakens your kingside pawns. I mean, it's just it's just bad. Um, but let me put it in the context. I think of the the bigger match perspective. So when I look at what Ding's doing with black, I think Ding is going to be very tough to beat with black. And he's got his openings dialed in. He's a very good defender. He can dry up the position in a way that I think is very uncomfortable for Nepo. He can play bad, slightly worse positions really well. So I think it's going to be very tough for Nepo to beat Ding when he is white. As we've seen already in the match, if Nepo has a chance to beat the dude, it's when actually maybe Ding is playing white himself. Um, in game four, which we just witnessed, right, Ding uses the English. Who plays the English? His second rapport. Ding has never really done this before and comes up, actually follows play that was seen by rapport. And it's a very interesting combative position and that's the kind of position that ding can also play very well he can improvise in those positions as well yeah but so, i mean i think that position also would be like a strength of nepos interestingly like if he could get that position with white you would think okay that's that's a good position for nepo to try okay but what i'm going to try to say is ding's a game if it's there is going to be nepos a game <laughs> in especially that position and we saw it today um so what am I trying to say? For Nepo, the challenge is, oh my God, how can I crack uh, Ding's openings? Very solid. How can I crack him when I'm white? Very hard to do. This round, every time Ding has white, so far he's tried to mix it up. And H3 is in some ways almost as weird as what he did today. The day was more conventional, but I mean, it was essentially giving black an equal position right away, right? It was an unconventional though position. There was some interesting imbalances, right? And I think if he's going to follow Rapport's lead, that's the kind of stuff he's going to do when he is white. 
Now, one of the problems I think for Ding and for like professional chess in general is we know that, and he knows too, that Nepo has some kind of crazy prep against the Catalan. The problem with the Catalan, every opening has this, but especially the Catalan, is there are a gazillion. I'm literally talking a gazillion different things that Black can do. And so Ding has learned most of them, but they just, the theory gets deeper and deeper and harder to crack. And so it's a challenge for Ding to reinvent himself. And he did so successfully today. And I think we're probably going to see more openings like C4, just where he's getting a position with the influence of rapport going forward. Yeah, I'm definitely a lot more um, open to this idea, I think, than, than you guys are. Um, I don't think it was the right choice for game two, however, given like Ding's mental situation. I think he should have realized like he's not in good form. There's like something going wrong. And I feel like these kinds of opening experiments aren't great if you're not like really confident in uh, in your play. And then like Jesse said, he didn't lose the game because of the opening. He lost the game because of like how he played in uh, in the middle game. Um, so it's like easy to, to blame the opening for this or maybe say it was the start, but I think it was really just his form on the day um, but that also means that maybe he should have played something that's like a little bit more natural to him, like Catalan or Knight C3, a position that he's played a million times before. Because then even if he's not in his best form, all right, he's, I think, much less likely to lose than from like kind of some new and interesting position that you might get out of uh, H3. But objectively, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really don't think there's, uh, I don't know if objectively is the right word, practically I think it's a perfectly fine decision. White's not getting any advantage after g3. White's not getting any advantage after knight c3. White's not getting any advantage after any move in this position. Nepo is super booked up. I'm sure he's studied the Catalan. You know, he's just absolutely ready to meet the Catalan. Magnus played the Catalan. Ding plays the Catalan. Like, is there if there's one opening Nepo is ready for, it's the Catalan, right? I'm sure he was super ready for knight c3 as well. So. My idea here is like if you're not getting an advantage anywhere and h3 is going to lead to an equal evaluation with best play much like almost any other move well yeah you might as well play something that's new force the opponent to think for themselves ding is not going to win a game without nepo making a mistake or making some kind of impulsive decision so the more decisions you give nepo to make especially early on i think uh the better when it came to the match with Magnus, I don't think Magnus won a single game because he got an opening advantage. Game six, he won because he grinded out this end game. Then he won this game in the Petrov, uh, where Nepo misplayed things very, very quickly in an absolutely dead, dead equal, in quotes, if you look at the computer evaluation position, right? So Magnus, I mean, he's, he's brilliant at playing nothing openings and then winning because <laughs> he poses problems for the opponent because they're not familiar with the situation. And then he exploits their mistakes very easily. So I do think on a better day, like if today, for example, they played this opening, Ding might have won the game. And then, of course, it would have just been a very different, um, very different story. Uh, long story short, don't try it at home. All right. I wouldn't recommend H3 for anyone lower than Ding's level. OK, <laughs> so, just so just so we're all clear. If you're a club player, stick to principled moves, develop your pieces first. Then once you go up against Nepo, you can try to um try some stuff out. Okay. Well, uh, here, here's what H3 is. It's it's a reflection of our times, right? I mean, you talked about how if you play this opening, it's equal. If you play this opening, it's equal. If you play this opening, the guy's prepped, right? Like basically, um, the current top level landscape 
is that with supercomputers and time to prep, every opening tends toward zeros, right? And lots of positions that were considered like really promising or really interesting or, well, not that interesting, but a slight edge that's going to nag you forever. I mean, if a talent play, if a, if a, if a strong player directs a supercomputer a few moves down the road, um, they just get zeros and it, it all just sort of dies out. And so they're really, they're searching for something, you know, and it's, we've never seen a world championship math match with such an insipid choice out of the gates of just like, there's nothing right. It's like, <laughs> it's like a nihilistic approach to chess. It's like, uh -huh. there is no idea for white. There's nothing to you know, you've got no argument to even claim that you're better. So all we're going to do is try and like hit and run with some little weird something somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can see that outside of this world championship match as well as like a huge trend in 2,700 plus games. You're looking for some for you're, you're switching up all the time. Ding's been one of the last people to switch up openings, by the way, one of the last people with what, what, has been called an opening repertoire, right? This this phrase is becoming obsolete, right? I mean, not at not at our level or at the level of our of our viewers, but at the twenty seven hundred plus level, the term opening repertoire, right? That very term has kind of timed out. It's it's kind of obsolete. Things the last guy with an opening repertoire, and here he is playing h three on move four, which you can say it's clearly not a move with like, oh, this is the challenging idea that you know Black has to find an answer to. It's just I mean, he may as well play one B three on move one, right? Like it's the same kind of thing. It's just like whatever, you know, or a three like Anderson versus Morphe. Um, so I, it's a reflection of the time. And Jesse was talking about how good Ding is at drying things up and defending slightly worse positions to the point where it's like, can you even call it slightly worse anymore when he defends it that confidently, right? Um, and so both players are going to struggle to generate stuff with white. And so I don't know, we may see like whoever is more confident play some weird move and get in trouble in their white games. Um, one thing that both Nepo and Ding have, I think, is that they're really good at uh, punishing people and winning with black when they get a chance. Um, these guys are very willing to seize any opportunity. So if the opponent wants a fight, <laughs> they'll give it to them. Okay, well, yep. I moved us on to our, our last topic, Sensei opening yeah. recommendations. What were you going to say, Jesse? I just want to stress one thing, and I can combine it with our Sensei, sensei opening recommendations. So what David's saying about the repertoire being a thing of the old days, just recall, like, when, when Fisher played his repertoire for ages, it wasn't because it was like, oh, I'm good at this. He actually believed, like, no, those are the best moves. <laughs> those are the best moves. Completely different approach to way, the way we think about chess today, influenced by computers. Mm -hmm. um, Ding, with his, especially his openings, is black. And I want to stress that if I don't, as I think it's going to be very hard for Nepo to crack it, but uh, it's a, similar to the way MBL, Maxime, I can't pronounce it. David will do it. Bashir Legraf. Bashir Legraf. <laughs> the way that dude plays religiously the Nidorf and the Grunfeld, those are more dynamic openings than what Ding will be playing, more unbalanced. So it's like, what's interesting is just to say is there's so few of those players left, right, who are playing 
the same thing over and over in a sense, very, not in a sense, but very easy to prep against, just hard to gain an advantage against. And you're always going to be running into positions where maybe your computer tells you you have the advantage, but you might not have the intuitive understanding that Ding has. For example, round three, Ding almost won that game, definitely got a nice position as black uh, fairly easily. Yeah. Um. So, so anyways, I'm just saying, Nepo buddy, I don't know. You're going to have to have some team give you some interesting ideas. I think that's a very tough nut to crack as white. And then basically, Nepo, you just got to hope, boss, that he gets frail. Because if he plays his A games, like round three and round four, you're done. It doesn't matter. You're not at dude's level. You're not at dude's level when he's playing his A game. And we saw that today. And that's going to be the story of the match in a lot of ways. As long as Ding can keep like the position kind of interesting and spicy the way we saw in round four, Nepo has no chance. So I think that's ultimately what it's deciding on. And the openings are just like a little bit of a sideshow. Okay, David, wow. what do you think? Is this was um this was your topic? So you must yeah. have some recommendations. I mean, so it's so although I think H3 is a bad move, I think that is like the kind of thing that people are looking for at this level right it's it's just something that hasn't been prepped you know so i i don't think that was like a good example of it but but if they just bonk their head straight into something then it's going to look like kasparov kramnik berlin wall right like you are not you are not going to beat someone down through sheer belief and uh coming up with fresh ideas 15 moves into a system that they've been playing all their lives at, not at this point right i mean could fabi get anywhere against carlson's sveshnikov <laughs> you know it's it's just it's just sort of become hopeless and ding i guess with h3 he's told the whole world like yeah this this everybody at the top now understands this you can't just break through somebody so what should they do i mean yeah i mean <clears throat> carlson is the one person who doesn't have to come up with like fresh hit and run ideas because he can squeeze something out of nothing. Carlson takes the approach of like, sure, you equalize, you get your zeros, and then I play a hundred moves with you and eventually I wear you down. But for almost everybody else, they have to go looking for an advantage somewhere. You know, and to get that advantage, they first need to get their opponent out of what they know. So today's exam today's opening by Ding is a good example of what you want to look for, right? So like uh, a four nights uh english and then you play e3 right you play it like a like a tempo up e3 sicilian or something right or um you know i saw a game recently where hikaru played c4 knight c3 e4 the botvinik kind of mm -hmm. system right like you do something that just people haven't been really hyped on studying it but it's still a rich position so i think they have to they each <laughs> have to be looking for something like that. They're each trying to mine some of the same, you know, the same hills, you know, <laughs> there's no new mountain that no one's ever seen before. They're mining the same hills, trying to find something that the other person hasn't looked at yet and something that has some more tension and some more interest, you know, the H3 thing just doesn't really have it, but something, something with some moxie, that's what they gotta, that's what they've got to find. So I agree that they need to hit and run. Um, what would be an example of something 
Let me try and give one example of something that they could try out that could be interesting. Just off my head, try and think of something. Um, Nepo could do something like play the bishop's opening from the aggressive repertoire once. There you, you go. Know, something wow. like that. Like, yeah. it's not going to lose him the game, you know, and just just see what uh, what what thing has. I mean, he'd have to. There have been some games. He'd have to look at the latest games where Aronian. Um, well, I don't think. I yeah, even that wouldn't be a huge surprise. It's been it's been played once or twice. He played it with Faruja. Uh, Caruana and Aronian played it, but it's something like that. He has to he has to try some different things here and there. Yeah, it's a bit and of a same shame. For, same See, for both of them. You have these walls that are really hard to break through. Like you got the Berlin Wall, you got the Petrov, which is also super solid. Ding, he's not even playing either of those. He he plays like a classic like Rui, which is also mm -hmm. just tremendously hard. Like the Marshall, really hard to break through. And then Nepo, he's playing like the semi Tarash um, with Black. That's just like extremely extremely Josh. Um, I agree. Yeah. With, with you guys you gotta you gotta find some playable position that's like maybe more closed and develops a bit slower uh, maybe yeah. like some ready like knight of three c4 like a catalan without d4 i think there's always um mm -hmm. room there to get a very playable position it's tough though it's really tough yeah. um i i was surprised by this topic because i it's hard to recommend things for the, <laughs> for this level everyone just knows everything and if you play something like a closed Sicilian, it's like it's a 50-50 chance that you just get the worst side of it. So it's very risky. Yeah. As black, by the way, they should keep doing what they're doing, right? Which is putting up the walls. You know, unless you have a particular sense that your opponent's reeling on that particular day because the previous day's game went a certain way. So you want to, like, surprise them or something. But in general, as black, you know, as long as the score's within reason and you don't have some special bead on your opponent being being rattled that day you want to keep putting up the wall and put that pressure on white because when white comes up with something it's going to give you an equal shot to win as black you know when when white manages to get one of those games and of course as black you're you're, you're fine to take that that chance um the other thing i just want to say like it's a good opportunity to just recognize what carlson's done i mean carlson was able has been able to consistently find just some move, which is slightly new. It doesn't not necessarily like a winning move. Just no, well, this is a move I can put you off balance. And the the true art of that is being able to play a diff a variety of different uh, setups and easily acclimate yourself to the ideas of the position. Whereas for most people. Right, we have our repertoires because we're used to certain kinds of setups that we don't feel comfortable outside of. And Carlson was able to just, ah, I'll do anything. It doesn't matter, boss. So you didn't know what the guy was gonna do, and that shows like the art of like, oh, you know, how do you create moves that are not H three but have the intention of H three, which is just to create a new and interesting position to give your opponent some questions. Right, it's an art form, and also the thing is, Magnus can serve with both hands. These guys, Nepo's always mm -hmm. been an e4 player. D4 is always mm -hmm. or Ding is always like the closed openings. I was gonna say like Ding should just play e4 and like, in all of China plays the Petrov defense. Like he should be able to find someone that has an idea against the Petrov. Like hey, this <laughs> is really annoying. But the issue is that if he goes e4, Nepo can go Sicilian. Nepo can do a lot of things, 
And Ding, he doesn't have that like right that experience. Yeah, so I can imagine him not not feeling comfortable. Um, but Magnus, he goes e4, d4, c4. He he just finds the weakest spot in the repertoire and he targets it. So another reason. Let's do this again sometime soon. The goats. Yeah. All right, folks. That's it for today. Do you guys, um, do you guys want to quickly say who's who's winning the match eventually? Ding is winning the match, my friends. I said it the first time. I'm saying it again. Yeah. Kostya? Um, after today, I think it's legitimately 50-50. But earlier, I was saying Nepo. So to me, that means it's like trending. It's trending ding. But right. I, I think it's 50-50 right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I predicted Nepo before the match. So I'm going to stick with that because if I pre predict Ding now, then I'll be wrong no matter what. So I'll stick with Nepo, although obviously today it doesn't feel good for him. And uh, that's Dojo Talks for us. I think that this match has become super interesting to watch. The one thing that I wished for from this match was that there would be decisive games. And there are. So I, I'm in heaven. I can't wait to see the next game.